So all of us experience this. The difference is that if you're not diabetic, you don't even realise it because your, your pancreas just releases extra insulin to cope with that extra glucose that's been released. But when you are diabetic and you can't, that's both type 1 and type 2, and you can't produce that extra insulin, well, then your blood glucose rises. This is the Diabetes Freedom Podcast, proudly brought to you by purenutrients.com, the type 2 diabetes specialists. Here we discuss the latest science to treat, prevent, and reverse type 2 diabetes naturally, so you can reclaim your health for a long, healthy, and happy life. Pat Ridley here. Welcome to Diabetes Freedom, episode 5. Suzanne, how are you going today? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. So this episode, episode five, we're talking about the dawn phenomenon. I hear a lot of people asking about why they have these high blood sugar readings in the morning. And so I thought it would be a good topic to to address. So just briefly, what is the dawn phenomenon? Like how would you explain that to somebody? The dawn phenomenon is when you wake in the morning and your blood sugar levels have spiked and you get quite a high reading. And there'll be a lot of variation within that, you know, as to some people's blood sugar levels will just go up a little bit, but some people it can go up quite a lot. And with that, some people don't feel very well. You can feel faint, you can feel weak, blurry vision. You know, it's not all that pleasant if your blood sugar levels are going up that high. And and it does concern people well i think people get confused because you know they've woken up they haven't been eating while asleep yet they have these high blood sugar uh, readings so i think that really does confuse people a bit and it can be alarming you know you do your test and you've got these really this big this big spike so like how does that work what's going on so it's a natural feature that all of us actually do experience so if we just look at what's happening, it's actually the body getting us ready to get out of bed and get moving. So it's all about um, increase in certain hormones. So in the morning, you know, it might be about 4 or 5 o'clock, the body's saying, well, they're going to be getting up soon, so they're going to need a bit more energy. So glu- glucagon hormone is increased. That's the hormone that will um, re- release sugar from the liver you'll get an increase in growth hormone that's going to be there to repair and to synthesize protein. You're going to get extra cortisol. Now, we've spoken about cortisol, the stress hormone, but it's actually really essential because it's that get up and go, gives you that kickstart for the day. And then you also get increased adrenaline. That's for your energy. So all of us experience this. The difference is that if you're not diabetic, you don't even realize it because you're your pancreas just releases extra insulin to cope with that extra glucose that's been released. But when you are diabetic and you can't, that's both type 1 and type 2, and you can't produce that extra insulin, well, then your blood glucose rises. And so like, why, why is this really important, though? I remember I asked you before, I, was, I said, well, this is not really important, though. I mean, if it's a natural process... It's going to happen anyway. So, you know, it doesn't really make a a, a big difference at all. But you told me otherwise. 
Well, that's right because it does make a difference. You, you know, we do need these hormones that are based on the circadian rhythm to come to kick in, and, and they do so in this pulsating manner. Hormones pulsate in their action. And if we didn't have it happen, well, we'd probably stay in bed all day. So we do need it, but it's the ability of the body to handle that increase in glucose that's important. And when I tell you about the kind of people can feel very unwell, like if you're feeling faint, blurry-eyed and weak, well, that's not a good thing, is it? And your body, you know, you've got extra glucose in the blood that the body is struggling to handle because you simply are not producing enough insulin to handle it. So, you know, it, it, it's important to get this under control and it's just showing another aspect of, of poorly controlled diabetes. Interestingly, though, Patrick, is that when you are going undergoing fasting that you will experience this dawn phenomenon and that's, that's something that you shouldn't really be concerned about because what happens there is, and you'll think to yourself, well, I haven't eaten for a couple of days. How, how can I possibly be having a spike in glucose readings in the morning? Well, what's happening there is that liver, that fatty liver that you probably have, is releasing the glucose in the morning. The fat's being, being changed back into glucose and released into your bloodstream. So, you know, that, that can be an actual positive thing because during that fasting period, you're dumping some of that glucose into the bloodstream in the morning. And so what sort of levels are we talking about? Well, some people can get quite high re readings. They may go up around the 10, the 12, 12 or even higher because it all depends on what your readings are anyway. I mean, there are diabetics, type 2 diabetics walking around that have quite high blood, blood sugar readings that are they're just not well controlled. You know, I have people say to me, oh, I'm getting blood sugar readings of 7.2. That's, that's really fantastic. Well, it still means you're diabetic, you know, but then I have other people and they might be getting sugar readings of 10s, 12s, you know, that's just not well controlled at all. And so in the morning, they may even spike up to about 15 or so. Yeah. So no wonder they're feeling unwell and they've got blurry eyes and they're weak and they're extremely thirsty. That's one of the other symptoms. I guess there's a lot of people walking around with these high um, readings that they just and they, they just don't know. They're, they're not diagnosed yet until they, they have a reading and then they get hit with that life-changing news. That's exactly right. There are a lot of undiagnosed type 2 diabetics walking around. And unfortunately, there's a lot of damage going on because we know it doesn't spare any organs. One of my close friends, you know, so he at the time, only 38 maybe years old, and he you know, wasn't like you know, obese but clearly had internal uh, fat going on. And he had this unquenchable thirst, is how he described it. And he came home from work and probably not the best thing for him to drink, but he was just pumping down cordial. I guess he was just so thirsty and he was just drinking glass after glass of it. And he was urinating a lot um, and he was quite concerned. And then he went in and the, the doctor was like really shocked because he had these extraordinarily high um, readings. And I think he even put, I think the doctor even put him on insulin like straight away. 
Well, he did because it was quite serious. I remember you telling me about that. I think his blood sugar readings were up around 20. Yeah, and, well, know, he, like, he well was, when he went in, he had just drank cordial. <laughs> so I'd exactly. imagine he would yes. have had, yeah, but then when they did other tests, it was still very high. But then, you know, he he took on board like what we said and then he, he actually had a really good doctor who was on board with uh, this approach and, you know, he's no longer taking insulin. Yeah, so it just shows you that, you know, the people walking around, he's 38 years old and I imagine a lot of people younger uh, – you know, like this, and they can be walking around like this for 10 years they don't even know, and then something really drastic happens. What I would like to ask is people would be thinking, well, how, how do I address this? But, you know, obviously the way you address it is what we've been talking about the whole time, and that doesn't change. Your diet, so that focusing on what you're eating, when you're eating, using intermittent fasting. However, what sort of things can you know, the people listening, what sort of things can they do to help minimise their spike in the morning? Well, the main thing is to make sure you're not eating carbs at night. Well, we would hope that you've reduced your carbs anyway. If you went along to your doctor, they would probably advise you that. Don't eat carbohydrates at night. And for those who are on insulin and, and other medication, the, the doctors will usually, they will kind of change that medication so the person gets better control. But another great point for us, a great tip for you, so we want you to definitely not be eating carbs at night and the other big tip is to have two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar in water going to bed and this has been shown to have a very positive effect on those morning sugar readings. They did do a test, it's been a study I should say, that was published in Diabetes Care. It was only a very small study but nonetheless it was a very good study. And they took seven people. They were all on diabetic medication but not insulin. And they did a crossover study so that some of them used the apple cider vinegar going to bed at night, whereas the others didn't. They did a three-day washout between them. Then they swapped them over. And the, the ones who had not been using the apple cider vinegar started having the apple cider vinegar, and the others who had had it didn't. And they got them to... Make, take recordings of their blood sugar readings every morning. And they found that there was a really good improve, improvement, that the apple cider vinegar helped to reduce those blood sugar readings. And it was particularly useful in people who tended to have blood sugar readings that were over 7.2. So um, that was a really uh, a nice thing to see. And, I've, and I, I have clients who have, who have been implementing this and who they all report that they they have much improved readings in the morning. So how does it work? Like, what is the this apple cider vinegar doing to get this result? Well, apple cider vinegars and apple cider vinegar, the acetic acid in it, it's noted to have a couple of effects. It reduces the digestion of starches, and it also delays gastric emptying. Now that means it delays the passage of food from your stomach, so the emptying of the food from the stomach. Now, we know that when you take vinegars, lemon juice, anything like that with your meal, that this effect kicks in and it helps to slow the, the absorption of the glucose into the blood. But this doesn't explain the dawn phenomenon alone because you're not actually eating. So what they've found is that it actually has an effect in the liver 
and it's reducing the production of glucose in the liver, the conversion of the, what they call glycolysis, the production of glucose. So it actually has that effect directly in the liver, which is pretty exciting. And it's so simple, yeah. dirt cheap. It tastes fine. If you, if you dilute it down, I mean, it's a different flavour. People aren't used to it. But it's something that's so easily accessible to, to you. So you're just talking about having two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar with, like, warm water. Yeah, you don't even have to have it warm, but you can. Yeah, just down the hatch. and Down the hatch and, and then don't eat any carbs. And but you could do it before dinner, say. So, you know, just say you're trying it and you're like, oh, I'm not particularly fond of the taste. Look, I don't think it's really bad. I, I had oh. it, I've, I've had it a few times and I actually kind of liked it in the end. I was like, yeah, it's okay. But if you don't. You could have it, say, before a meal, and then your meal would get rid of the taste. But what other things are there? I mean, I would imagine there'd be other foods that would do similar things. Well, we spoke about lemon juice with meals, all kinds of vinegars. It's the acetic acid in it. And, and you know, apart from that, having apple cider vinegar, it has a lot of health benefits. It's known to improve your digestive system, putting a bit of acidity into your stomach. Mm. Because in the Western in the Western world, our diet is is really lacking in bitterness and acidity. You know, like one of the main drugs that I dispense are proton proton pump inhibitors. And these are reducing acid in the stomach. And because we all not all of us, but a lot of people have digestive disorders and they think that by reducing acid in the stomach it's going to be okay, but it's not. So actually adding apple cider vinegar before you eat a meal is a wonderful way to actually improve your digestion along with adopting a very good diet. And you can also use it like as a salad dressing, um, mm. not mixed with a few other ingredients too. Um, Absolutely. Now, and it hasn't got to be apple cider vinegar, you know. Yeah. At, at night I would prefer that that's the one that we've got studies on that works. But I'm talking about as a condiment, you know, adding it to your foods. Mm. Um, you can use um, other, other vinegars that you may rather and you can add them in with olive oil. Like Olive oil and, and vinegar is a lovely salad dressing. I was just going to say like balsamic vinegar tastes really good and that, you know, they, it's always mentioned as having a, a good effect. But you've got to be careful because there's a lot of added sugar to some of those balsamic vinegars you get. Mm. Yeah, so I would just caution people if you're going out uh, looking for balsamic vinegar for the purposes of improving your diabetes, look at the, the label and see if there's added sugar in it. People may be just wondering, I know it'd probably be a very quick answer, but if people are taking medication, you know, is it safe to, to, to do this? It's absolutely safe. Yeah. I, have, I don't know of any contraindications for apple cider vinegar. And it's been around for a, a very long while. We've just gotten out of the way of using these things. Well, mm. cool. It was, a, it was a nice short one. But I think if everybody starts doing that, it's a good action for you to take. Hopefully, you're already implementing a, a, a low carbohydrate uh, meal plan with the time-restricted feeding that we've advised uh, being if, if this is your first time uh, listening go back and listen to some of the other episodes but it's a 12-hour window minimum so from 8 a.m to 8 p.m so you're eating within that time frame 
low carbohydrates, and then uh, as we discussed in the previous episode, incorporating intermittent fasting. So if you're doing that, that's awesome. Um, now add in this uh, apple cider vinegar tip before bed and let us know if you notice the results. Thanks for joining us once again on the Diabetes Freedom Podcast. We wish you all the best for your own diabetes recovery. This is the Diabetes Freedom Podcast, proudly brought to you by purenutrients.com, the type 2 diabetes specialists. Here we discuss the latest science to treat, prevent and reverse type 2 diabetes naturally, so you can reclaim your health for a long, healthy and happy life.